Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we looked last week at that church in Acts, that very first church. And I want you to grasp the reality that as we looked at all of those different characteristics of that church, they, their determination and their diligence in all of these different areas, especially, and we're going to look at one today, the Word of God, fellowship that is a devotion towards each other, worship, especially centered around the sacrifice of Jesus, Prayers, praying for one another, sacrificing for each other, sensing the presence of God in their midst, and having an impact on the world. You can look at that and say, you know, that, that's great. I wish we were like that, but that just seems so far away. Because we don't know what it is. We don't know what it looks like. And, and it's like, it's just a theory, George. But I remember, as I mentioned to you last week, it's more than a theory. We can be that. We can be that kind of church that impacts its culture. I uh, was thinking about our church and thinking about here, and I got kind of passionate about here. Like, what's up with me? You know, what's going on? This is good. And I thought, what are you and I going to look back 15 years from now? When you and I are here 15 years from now, and we look at the church and we can say, man, look at how far we've come. Look at the impact. Because I think we can impact our community. I think we can change things. Let me just stop for a moment. I was listening to uh, the lecturer, and he talked about how people get all hyped up about immigration. But that he, he chooses to look at it a little bit differently, because he doesn't look at it from the standpoint of his patriotism or whatever. He looks at it through the eyes of the gospel and the opportunity. And I was sitting there, and it was like I had this big vision pop into my mind. That's it. How am I going to view life? This is an answer. You may want to write this down. How are you going to view life? Are you going to view it through the eyes of your comfort? Or are you going to view it through the eyes of the Great Commission? Hear what I said. I'll say it again because you're writing it down. How are you going to view life? Are you going to view life through the eyes of your comfort? I don't like what's happening. I don't like the change. All of that. And that's fine. And we can all sit here and say about what we don't like. But the question is, how am I going to view it? Am I going to view it through the eyes of what I want in my comfort, or am I going to view it through the eyes of the Great Commission? I'm in a world that needs Jesus Christ, and the only hope of this world is Jesus Christ, and I am His messenger, and I am to share that message with the world around me. How are we going to view this world? See, when we look at this church, listen to me, folks, when we look at this church, it's more than a theory. It has happened. It has happened before. It can happen again. And my friends, it can happen right here in this church, in this world, where the presence of God is known. And you come in with an anticipation, and you impact your world. Listen, let me just stop for a moment. Let's, let's get real for a moment. I've lived here eight years now. I have friends in this community. I have friends in this community who don't know Jesus Christ. You have friends and relatives. You, some of you, you, you've lived here longer than I have. You have friends in this community who don't know Jesus Christ. My friends, how are they going to hear 
unless we tell them. Unless we get serious. The impact is going to be our lives because the reality of what we believe comes out of it. You say, no, I want to do that. I want to see that. How many of you want to see that? You want to see your lives impacted? Yes. Let me ask you something. You say, where do we begin? Right here in this passage. Right here in this passage. Because when we look at this passage, remember I shared with you those things again. Let me just go through them again. The Word of God, devotion to each other, fellowshipping with each other, worship centered on the cross of Jesus Christ, praying, prayers, the very evident presence of God within their midst, sacrificing for each other, and then impacting a world. Those things can be here, but it's got to start with you, first of all, deciding that you want to do that. First of all, deciding that we want to be that kind of church. And you know where it begins? I'm going to tell you where it begins. The very root of everything that I'm talking about begins right here. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the very first thing that they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching. What is that? The Word of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about moving beyond just the same old, same old doing church to being the church. And it starts with you becoming a people of God's Word. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at a couple passages here. First of all, we're going to look at one verse in Acts 2, and then we're going to flip over to 2 Timothy. Notice with me, first of all, verse 42, just the first part. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now turn over, I had you have your finger there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me at verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation and through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now here's what we're going to do today, my friends. We're going to look at a couple of things out of these passages. First, out of Acts 2, we're going to see their approach. And then when we get to 2 Timothy, the passage there, we're going to see the encouragement as well as the importance of God's Word. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, their approach. When you go back to Acts 2, when we look at that early church, it says that they were steadfastly continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. The first thing I want you to see is, is this, that they were individually committed to the Word. They were individually committed to the Word. Now here's what happens. And this happens in our type of churches. We're what we what would be called a Bible-believing church, right? And, and we would tell people, if you're going to get saved, you need to find a Bible-believing church and go to that church. And, and we think, okay, because I attend a Bible-believing church, I'm okay. Well, you're partially okay. You say, what do you mean? You're partially okay. Because, my friends... While it's important that you go to a Bible-believing church, you've got to take it one step further. You've got to be a Bible-believing person. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just enough to come and sit and hear Bible-believing teaching. You've got to take it one step further and believe the Bible yourself. Now let me just stop for a moment because let me explain that a little bit to you. 
Because when I say you need to be a Bible-believing person, I want you to go beyond just saying in your heart, well, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, but you never read it. I believe the Bible is the Word of God, but you never act on it. See, you can sit there and say, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it gathered dust on your shelf, and you never pick it up. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, here's the thing. If the church is going to be the church that it needs to be, and if the church is going to be committed to the teaching, to the doctrine, it's going to require more than just a doctrinal position in the church that we believe in the 66 books that they are verbally inspired and without error. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be, I believe it personally as I come here and I apply it to my life. See, that's what was going on there. Their approach was not just that I'm in a place where they believe it, I personally believe it. And it's manifested in my life. So let me ask you a question, how are you doing? If I were to say to you, do you believe? Every one of you would raise your hand. But I just expanded that definition of belief, didn't I? I just made that definition of belief into how is it evidenced in your life. Not just up here, it's got to be evidenced here in your heart. So when I put it that way, boy, we're on shaky ground, aren't we? We might say we believe it, but see, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? If you really believe it, are you reading it? If you really believe it, are you applying it? If you really believe it, is it a part of your life? See, what I want you to see about this early church is that they were individually committed to the Word of God. Now, let me talk about that commitment there. Their commitment was expressed in action. Their commitment was expressed in action. Now, let me just stop for a moment because I've got to expand upon that one a little bit too. Because here's what can happen. You can say, well, I'm committed to the Word of God, and here's my action. I get the daily bread, and I read. Every morning I have my devotions with the daily bread. Let me just stop for you a moment. We advocate the daily bread. We have them here for you to use, but they are a simple tool that's only the beginning of the process. Because here's what you can do. You can get to the place when you use the daily bread that you just read the story, you forget to read the passage. And let me just stop for a moment. Unless it really struck you, you'll forget what the story was two hours later. Isn't that right? Let's nod our heads. You're right, George. Have you been watching me? No, because I know myself. And we're all the same. See, if I'm going to believe that it's the Word of God, and I'm going to say that I believe it so much so that I want to apply it to my life, it's going to have to be expressed in action. And here's the action it's got to take. I've got to read it. And I just don't have to read it. I've got to do... In fact, Brad mentioned it earlier. He's mentioned it about James, about not just being a hearer of the Word, but I've got to be a what? Doer. See... My commitment is going to be expressed in my actions. And what does that mean? In my application of what I am reading. In my application. By applying what God tells me to do. See, that was their attitude. Listen, I'm going to explain something to you. And how do I know this? Listen to me. If every one of us here, listen to me, if we became personally committed to the Word of God, more than just reading it, but reading it for the intent of allowing God to transform our lives by it, reading it with the intent of applying what it is that He is saying to me, I'm going to be honest with you, your life will change, this church will change. Bottom line. You say that's a pretty bold statement. How can you make a statement like that? Because it's not that I have a trust in you, I have a trust in it. And the words of it are life. And it will change you. And it will transform you. 
Because that's what His promise is that it would do. And so that was the approach. Listen, my friends, if we're going to be a church that impacts our area, we can't just say we believe the Bible. You've got to be in the pew saying, and you've got to be at your home saying, with your life, I believe in the Bible. Because I apply it. So let's go on now. We go over now to 2 Timothy. If we're going to express exactly what that means, when we go to chapter 3, I think this is a great passage because he's going to give us an encouragement of why we need to get in the Word of God. And let me just stop for a minute. I want you to look with me just so you help to understand that there is a, a tie here. There's a tie. That is, this passage is tied to that passage in Acts by one word. Look with me at verse 14 and notice what it said. But you must, what's the word there? Continue. If you go back over into Acts, notice what it says, and they, what? Continued. See, this is putting some feet to what it's talking about here in Acts. And so what he's doing here is he's going to give, if you and I are going to continue, if we're going to be diligent, if we're going to persevere in the Word of God, we need to hear what Paul is saying to Timothy as far as the encouragement of why you need to read the Word of God. Of why you need to read the Word of God. So listen to me. Notice, first of all, look at what he says there, verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, I want you to notice, here's the first encouragement. Why you and I need to be in the Word of God. Number one, we need to recognize that, de- that deception is prevalent. Recognize that deception is prevalent. My friends, there are lies out there that are continually being propagated. There are lies that are out there that are continually... The source of the lies, the father of lies is who? Satan. And he doesn't want you to live your life based on the Word of God. And so what he's going to do is, is he's going to come along and he's going to try and deceive you. He's going to raise up issues to deceive you. To distract you from what's most important. Most important, which is his Word. And so he's going to throw in this other stuff. And he does it through human beings. He does it through teachers. He does it through people like you and like me, a pastor. And it may even be unintentional, but deception is out there. And so I need to be in the Word of God so that I can know when it's deception, when it's wrong. So, so when God, some guy comes up and says that your acceptance with God is based upon how you're dressed... If you're a person of the Word of God, you can know and answer that really that he doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on what? The heart. But see, if you don't know the Word of God, and some guy comes and he continually hammers that point to you subtly now, not outright, but subtly, that, you, you know, if you were, and in fact, you hear things like this. If you were to stand before the king or the president, you'd be dressed up. Shouldn't you be dressed up if you're going to stand before Jesus? How many of you heard something like that? I have. Yeah, that's true. If I'm going to go visit the president... I'm going to be dressed up. But the president can't see through my suit. And when I stand before God, it doesn't matter how I'm dressed, I'm laid bare. The issue isn't what I'm wearing. The issue is who I am with God. It's a different thing. Completely different thing. So what I want you to see is, you can be deceived in that kind of thinking. So now, your whole perception of God's acceptance of you is based upon what you're wearing. In reality, the condition of God's acceptance of you is the condition of your heart. And Jesus' acceptance of you through his sacrifice on the cross. See, my friends, you've got to be careful. Now, how am I going to know that? Because you are in the Word of God. 
you are in the Word of God. You are checking it out. You are studying it. And so the encouragement is, is so that you're not deceived. So the first encouragement is, is that, number one, recognize that deception is prevalent. It's out there. The second thing is, is in verse 14, look at what he says in verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you, which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Here's what he's saying. You must continually build upon your faith. You must continually build upon your faith. You've got to be moving forward in your maturity. And the only way that you're going to be moving forward in, the, in your maturity is, is, is if you are reading the Word of God and applying the Word of God and growing in the Word of God. Let me just stop for a moment. Because when I say that, you could easily catch from that, you could make it say, well, I need to know a lot about the Bible. That is not what I'm saying. The issue isn't knowledge for the sake of knowledge. The issue is reading the Bible for you to allow God to speak to you and as you hear Him speak through His Word to you and then you begin to apply what He's saying to you through His Word, you are building upon your faith. Your faith gets stronger and you're able to handle the things that life has to throw at you. See, we all know that. We all know that, don't we? Why is it so hard for us to do it? Why is it so hard for us to do it? So, the encouragement here, the encouragement is, is not just that we're to recognize deception is prevalent and we've got to be aware of that because we might be deceived, but we also have to continually build upon our faith. Now here's he's going to go on then, verse 15 through 17, and he's going to talk about the importance of God's Word. Why is it so important, why is it so important for you and I to get in this book? Why? First of all, notice what he says, verse 15, he says this, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want you to understand is they help you to understand salvation. They help you to understand salvation. We say, George, I already understand salvation. I already understand that Jesus died for my for my sins on the cross and that he's forgiven me and that I'm saved. I understand that. What do you mean the scriptures are there to help me to understand it? Well, you don't understand. That's the very elementary truths of salvation that you understand. But you've got to understand that there's a whole lot more involved with your salvation that the scriptures help you to understand. You say, well, what are you talking about? See, my friends, if you study the scriptures, here's what you're going to understand. That yes, Jesus died for you. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you have eternity. But you're also going to understand that salvation is a process. What do you mean a process, George? It's a process, a threefold process. Justification, you are immediately justified. You are made holy with God. You are given eternal life. It is a second-fold process, sanctification. I am in the process now of becoming like Jesus. I'm, all of us are in the process of sanctification. And then I understand, in fact, that's what Paul means when he says, work out your salvation. Have you ever wondered why he says that, about work out your salvation? He's talking about the process of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus Christ, of allowing the Holy Spirit to have more and more control of your life. And then there's the process, the finality, the final process of salvation, which is called glorification, in which I realize my salvation when I go to be with Him and He gives me a new body. See, salvation is not just some one-time thing. Salvation is a lifetime thing. I'm justified. I am made righteous. I am made holy. I am saved. I am being saved through the process of sanctification. 
And I will be saved through the process of glorification of being like Jesus. But here's the thing. I wouldn't have known that unless I read the scripture. You say, now why is that so important? Because here's what's happening with some of you. Listen to me. How many of you sin? Be honest. All of us here. If you don't have your hand up, you're not listening. All of us sin. Okay, listen to me. How many of you get defeated by your sin? All of us should get defeated by our sin, should we not? Now, when you get defeated by your sin, what's the number one issue that you struggle with? You struggle with, let me just throw it out there, you, and see if you agree with me, you struggle with whether or not God accepts you because you've done wrong. Am I right? Now, here's the thing. The scriptures are given to me so that I understand my salvation. So let me run through that threefold process with you again. If I read the scriptures and I understand the process of salvation, I understand, first of all, that in Jesus' sight, through supplication, he doesn't see me based upon me, he sees me based upon Jesus. I am holy. I have been made holy. I'm saved. That's why we say I'm saved. I have forgiveness with Jesus. So through that first process, I understand how he sees me. I also understand, through the second process of sanctification, that he's doing a work in me and saving me and redeeming me. I also understand, as I read my Bible, especially if I read Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this war that goes on within me. The good I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. You begin to realize that in that process of sanctification, God understands that I'm going to what? Fail. I'm going to sin. In fact, isn't that what John says in 1 John chapter 2? My little children, I run unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have what? An advocate. What's that? Another term for a lawyer. Who is the lawyer? It's Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's Jesus. You also understand if I'm reading through the Psalms, I come to Psalm 37, it says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the what? The Lord upholds him with his hand. See, I understand I'm seen as righteous. God sees me based upon the sacrifice of Jesus and justification. I understand as I get into the word of God that yes, I fail, and I need to turn from my failure, but God understands that because he understands I'm in the process of sanctification. But then you say, what about the glorification thing? I understand that when I go to be with Jesus, I will no longer sin. I will be freed from this body of sin. And I long for it. Do you see how the scriptures explain to you the salvation? But here's the thing. It isn't going to come by putting it under the pillow and hoping that it filters through your pillow into your head by osmosis. It's only going to come as you open it up and read it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you've got to be in the Word of God because it helps you to understand your salvation. Let's go on then. So they help you to understand salvation. Look at verse 16. He's also going to tell us that the Scriptures are given for a reason. Look at what it says. All Scripture was given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Here's Here's what he's saying. They were given by God for a purpose. God gave those, the word to you for a purpose. He gave the word to you, look at here, so that you understand doctrine. What is, what is he talking about? Truths. He's talking about truths. In your mind, you need to understand that doctrine There's talking about truths. Truths of the scripture. So do you understand truths of who he is, how he wants you to live? 
what you understand about prayer, what you understand about the Holy Spirit, all of that's truth. That's all doctrine. Does everybody understand me? Okay? So he gives it for that. What else does he say here? He gives it so that, first of all, for reproof. He said, now what does that mean? Well, how many of you have been reprimanded? Either by your parent, or by a boss, or by your spouse? How many of you have been reprimanded? If you're married, you've probably been reproved. What's it saying here? The Bible has an understanding. You're not perfect. And because you're not perfect, you need to be what? Reproved. What do I need to be reproved of, George? Attitudes and actions. Attitudes and actions. And so the Bible is going to come to you, and you're going to read the Word of God, and sometimes, and here's what happens, and sometimes we don't like this. When we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit says, that's speaking to you. You did wrong here. Whew, must have been a hot sausage sandwich. Couldn't be, okay, I'm ready for the day. And we ignore it, but the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the Word, saying, you need to change your attitude. You need to change your actions. You're not doing right in this area. Now, it's there for reproof. Now, what, now here's what happens. When my daddy reprimanded me, and his reprimand was there because he was wanting to what? Correct me so that I would be do, live right. Is that not right? Is that not true? Isn't that why your parents disciplined you? See, the Word of God serves the same role. It is God out of His love looking at you and wanting to show you, speak to you through His Word for you to change your course of life, to change your action or your attitude. So it's given for that reason. It's given for the purpose of correction. Let's go on there. In fact, isn't that what he says next? For correction. And he goes on, for what? Instruction in righteousness. It's going to tell you how you do need to live. Now here's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. God just doesn't tell you, don't do this. He tells you what you need to do instead. Because God understands if I'm going to replace a bad habit, I've got to form a new habit. You understand? Here's some of you who are struggling with issues in your life. You're struggling with addictions or whatever, and you're trying to break bad habits in your life, and you keep, how many of you get defeated? You're like, man, every time I try to get rid of this, it may even be an attitude. There's just no way for me to get overcome this, and I get frustrated. I'm there. How many of you are there with me? Can I explain to you why that happens? Because you're trying to go cold turkey on that habit or that issue, but you're not replacing it with anything. In fact, Paul would later go on and say, take off the old and put on the new. Take off the old and put on the new. So you've got to replace it. And so the Word of God isn't just going to reprove. It's not just going to to correct you. It's going to give you instructions. This is the purpose. It's going to give you instructions to tell you how to live your life. So that's given for a reason. It's given for a purpose. And there's one other area about the importance of the Word of God. We see it in verse 17. Look at what it says there. That the man of God may be complete... Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be equipped, thoroughly complete. And here's what I want you to see. They produce spiritual maturity in your life. You want to grow up in Jesus? It isn't just going to happen with age. See, the Word of God, here's what it's for. Notice what he says. Look at what he says specifically. This is what Paul is saying. All scripture, that the man of God, and it could be woman of God here, may be complete, that is spiritually mature, and notice what it says, thoroughly equipped, that it means you're equipped for every good work, for living the life that God wants you to live. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why it's so important. Look, it's so that you grow 
and become the man or woman that God wants you to be. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here want to be the man or woman that God wants you to be? How many of you? All of us here, right? Do you know where the key is? Right here. It is something you grow into, and the basis for growth, the Word of God. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.